And when you see this, it really is no coincidence about what's happening in, uh, in, in uh, Rachel's life, who's now playing Dorothy over at the Wizard of Oz. I plan the sermon series out usually six to eight months in advance. As a matter of fact, I can tell you what I'm going to be preaching all the way through June. So I planned the sermon series months and months ago, but it just kind of happened to work with what's going on with Rachel's life. You know this scene very well. Let's see if it plays. Here we go. Playing now. There it is. I don't like this forest. It's it's dark and creepy. Of course, I don't know, but I think it'll get darker before it gets lighter. Do do you suppose we'll meet any wild animals? Mm, we might. Animals that that eat straw. Uh, some, but mostly lions and tigers and bears. Lions and tigers and bears. <gasps> Lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. Say it with me. Lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. Lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. Oh, you know this scene well. Lions and tigers and bears. By the way, Judy Garland's got nothing on our own Rachel Lowe's when she's playing uh, Dorothy. She did a great job there. Okay, so why do you see it? Well, we'll show you. First of all, I want to show you this scene. This is just a kind of a, it might be a little blurry, this forest scene right here. Kind of like life. And as we're looking at some of the things that were going on in our life, the, for Dorothy and in her forest, it was what? Lions and tigers and bears. But we have our own issues that we have to face, things that we need to fear if we don't do them right, things that can damage us, things that are good but also can hurt us. And so we are starting a series today that's going to lead us all the way through Easter, and it's called this. Ready? Anytime. Oh, over here. Sorry. <laughs> Marriage and children and debts. Oh, my. Marriage and children and debts. Oh, my. That's the lion and tigers and bears of the forest in which we live. By the way, we'll get that one fixed by next week. Don't worry. This is it. I mean, all of those are good things. Lions and tigers and bears are good things. They have their place. But those are scary things. And not only scary things, they're things that, if you don't do them well, they hurt. And they hurt a lot of people. We're going to start for the next several weeks in a very practical sermon series. Now, sometimes when you plan on a sermon series, it's very theological, and we get into the hypostatic union. I know we never get into that. We do. I just don't tell you that it's the hypostatic union. Things that are kind of out there, and they're good, and theology is wonderful, but for the next several weeks in particular, I want to bring it right home to where we all live. Because let's face it, there's a lot of pain sometimes in our lives, and often... You trace that pain to marriage and children and debts. Oh my. If we don't do these well, 
and right, it'll kill us. And God wants us to live. He wants us to do them well. He wants the, the Christ followers to be an example to the rest of the world. To be able to say, now look, here's how you do it. And if you do it this way, this is what it looks like. And these are wonderful, great, glorious things. The problem is we as Christ followers fall into the same trap that everybody else does. And many times our marriage and our children and even our debt structure looks very much like somebody who doesn't know Christ at all. And the same pain comes into our lives. We want to take a look at fixing that. What does the Word of God have to say about marriage and children and debts? Oh my. So for the next 12, 13 weeks, we'll be looking at these one at a time. But before we do that, before we even start, we've got to, we've got to talk a little bit more because let's face it, let's have a discussion here if we can. As you look at this list, marriage and children and debts, oh my, some in this room haven't done these really well. Have we? I mean, some are on their second and third marriages. Some have just recently gone through divorce. Some, their kids, it's a real struggle. And for some, our debt is so high, it's killing us. I don't want you to fear coming to church because God isn't here to hurt us. I don't want you to walk in here and feel like you're a second-class citizen because you haven't done this well. So we need to... Now you're into your sermon notes, right? If you want to, I want you to understand this before we go any farther. Let's remember this. First of all, our, the past is the past. Our Father is the Lord of second chances. Do you understand that? Right there, somebody should be going, hallelujah. And now what I want you to do is take a pencil and cross out the word second and write in the word many, all right? Our Father is the Lord of many chances. And that's the best news I can give you here this morning. Because some of you are sitting there knowing that your marriages haven't worked. Your kids aren't doing well. And your debts are strangling you. And our Father is the Lord of many, many chances. You can be forgiven. You can move forward. You can learn to do it right. Our Father loves us so much that he's given us a way to wipe the slate clean. This is what the Word of God says. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. Okay, that's the ideal. God says, please don't sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Why do you think God would put that in there? He knows us, doesn't he? He can say to us, look, don't do this. It'll hurt you. But he knows what? We're going to do it. He knows us. He says, okay, I tell you what. I got you covered. I've got you covered. I will give you a way to wipe the slate clean. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world world because of jesus christ we can have another chance and if we blow that one guess what through jesus christ we get what another chance and if we blow that one through jesus christ what do we get 
Is there ever a time when God says, that's it? Your chances are all done? Yes. When? When you die. When you die, it's all over. Your chances are done. Scripture tells us that it's appointed for people once to die and in the judgment. But as long as we walk this earth, there is always the possibility of God's grace and forgiveness and a new life. God is the Lord of many chances. But let's remember this. Let's not use this as an excuse to fail. The fact that we get second and third and fourth and a hundredth chances doesn't mean that we should just kind of, you know, doesn't really matter. We have to take our failures seriously. Failure in our marriage, failure with our kids, failure in our finances, failure in any other area of our life. We can't just say it's no big deal. There was a point in time, even in the early church, when people were saying this. They said, now, wait a minute. You mean Jesus will always forgive me? Jesus died for everything I'm going to do? Oh, good. Then I can just do anything because it's all covered by Jesus Christ. This is what the Apostle Paul wrote to people just like that. He said this. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? No way. The Greek, are you ready? Please get, get ready to be totally impressed. Meganoita. Aren't you impressed? I know that. Yeah, that's right. I'm sure you were. And it, it's hard to translate. Uh, God forbid. May it never be. It can't happen. It just means no way. We died to sin. You did die to sin, didn't you? I mean, when you went to God for forgiveness, you didn't go to him and say, I really like this. I'm going to continue doing it. Can you just forgive me up to this point? Kind of hoping that we all went to God and said, you know what? I'm done with that life. I don't want to do that anymore. How can we live it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Keep going. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a brand new life. Every one of my failures is covered up. But you know what it's covered with? What? What are my failures covered with? A white cloth so that nobody can see it? What are all of my failures covered with? The blood of Jesus Christ. Do you take that seriously? Do you see that failure in your marriage, that failure with your kids, that failure in your finances, and realize it's been covered, it's been forgiven, but it's covered through the sacrifice of Jesus. He died on the cross to cover that. He died on the cross to forgive it. My sin, my failure is covered with the precious blood of my Savior, who was so willing and happy to die for me. Well, how do you just say, hey, it doesn't matter, it's no big deal. God forgives. Yeah, he does forgive. But every time he forgives, what he looks at isn't your goodness or my goodness or your potential or my potential. He sees the blood of his own son who died that we could be forgiven. I'm glad that we're covered, but man, what a prize. So, we remember this then. We, 
will make the most of every fresh opportunity. You're going to have so many fresh opportunities. Yes, you're going to fail. It's going to happen. It'll be covered in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You'll have a brand new opportunity, new opportunities in your marriage, new opportunities with your kids, new opportunities in your finances. Without a doubt, you will have them because God promises he will give them. Let's make the most of them. Let's learn from our mistakes. Let's learn from the mistakes of people around us. Let's take these fresh opportunities that God gives us and move forward with them to do what needs to be done. In fact, would you say this with me? Let's see if we got it up here, right here. Read it with me. Every fresh opportunity I have been given is through the blood of Jesus. I will not waste it. One more time. Every fresh opportunity I have been given is through the blood of Jesus. I will not waste it. That's the attitude you have to have every time you come to the Father and say, you know what? I need a fresh opportunity. I messed this one up. I don't want to waste it. This is what Scripture says. For you were once darkness, but now you are the light and the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Be very careful then how you live. Okay. He's talking to a group of people who've been given a fresh opportunity. And he said, okay. You used to be in darkness. Now you're in light. New opportunity. Watch how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity. Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Would you make, you've been given a fresh opportunity. Every time I go to my father and say, look at this, I, I blew it, I messed this one up. He says, let me give you a fresh opportunity. And then he says, you know what? Make the most of this one. Huh. Let's remember this. As we go into this whole series, because it may be painful and and. If it is a little painful, and it will be, it'll step on all our toes. I want those toes to heal pretty quickly. Our Father is, not, is calling us to be better people, not perfect people. Don't ever, ever have that understanding that when you're part of a church and you walk in and you become part of it, that these are perfect people or these are per- people who think they're perfect. Anybody here who thinks that they're perfect, well, this is the right place for you because you've got a lot to learn. Our Father's not trying to turn us into... We can't even be perfect people, as a matter of fact. Why couldn't we be perfect people? I mean, absolutely perfect people. Tell me why that's not even possible in this life. Sin? Okay. Why? What? Human. Talk to me a little bit about being human. Why can't I be perfect as a human? We make mistakes. Why do we make mistakes? Okay. Choices. How about things that are just... My brain... It's a nice brain. But it's not a perfect brain. I don't think correctly all the time. I, I, don't, I don't see things correctly. My brain can't be perfected. I will make mistakes because I don't quite understand everything. Plus, I live in this thing right here. And it's a nice thing. I like this thing. I'm looking forward to a better thing one day, but it's not a bad thing. But it has its limitations. It gets hungry. And when it gets hungry, it gets really, really crabby. And every now and then this thing gets sick. And when it gets sick, it, 
I don't think the way, I can't do what I need to do. I can't be perfected here. It's not possible. But I can be better. My father can teach me, he can forgive me, he can give me a fresh opportunity to say, okay, now here's what I want you to do. I can learn, I can learn to be wise, I can live in that wisdom as much as I can understand it, but I won't be perfect. This is what Paul said, because he understood this. When he's talking to a church, he says, not that I've already obtained all this, he's talking about the great stuff, or I've already been made perfect. The Apostle Paul just said he's not perfect. So anybody here who thinks that you are, Debate Apostle Paul and good luck to you, all right? But I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold for me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. In other words, Jesus is calling him to be something better, something more, more than he was. Not perfect, but Jesus is saying, come on, let's, let's do better. I'm giving you a fresh opportunity. What are you going to do with it? But one thing I do, what's the one thing he does? You know this passage. Forgetting what is behind. All right. All those opportunities I wasted. They're gone. Can't get them back. Got a fresh one. And straining towards what is head. I like that. You know, he's not just desire. He's, oh, you just see, oh, man, I, I really want to be better. I messed up. I want to do it differently. Do you strain to be a better person? Or do you just kind of go, eh, it's no big deal. If it's no big deal, then you're going to stay exactly who you are. I press on to the goal to win the prize for which God has called me, heavenward in Christ Jesus. He's not calling us to be perfect. He is calling us to be better, and he gives us the way to do that. The reason I wanted to share this with you, because it's going to take the bulk of uh, what we're saying here this morning, we're about to talk about the areas that scare us and the areas that hurt us. Marriage and children and debts. Oh, my. I want you to remember, whatever's happened in the past is the past. You come in here with, with a marriage, and you've been married. My wife and I have been married for, what, 38 years or so. We have still so much to learn. We went through some really rough times. But we still have to learn to live together for the rest of our lives. Some of you are coming in in the midst of a divorce, aren't you? Some of you are coming in with a marriage that's really broken. Some of you are on your second and third marriage. The past is the past. Now, can you say that with me? The past is the past. One more time and say it with conviction. The past is the past. We're not talking about what you did. We're talking about who you are right now, the fresh opportunity God is giving you as in your marriage or when you're going to be married again or with your kids or with your finances. The past is the past. Under the blood of Jesus Christ, a fresh opportunity, what are you going to do with it? Okay? All on the same page? Good. Now we move on because what we're going to start with is we're going to talk about marriage. Yeah. And here's the plan, by the way, over the next few weeks. This morning, we're going to look at this. What marriage is. And then next week, why is it so hard? Why is marriage so hard? Is my wife in the uh, saying? Why is marriage so hard? You know? <laughs> Yeah, there she is. If my wife was up here, she would say, why is marriage, so, why is being married to Doug so hard? Ah, got it. it. There's reasons. But all of those, there's a plan and a purpose, and hopefully by the time we're done, you'll understand it and go, oh, okay. 
Not that it gets any easier. It doesn't, except that you have help and you have understanding, and we're going to lay it all out for you. Then we're going to talk about the most important thing in marriage, and uh, we'll find out if you even understand what that is. And then finally, in about four weeks, I've asked Pastor Matt if, he's going to, if he would come and uh, particularly teach about learning to heal, because Matt uh, has gone through a divorce many, many years ago. And uh, God has taught him, and he's provided a wonderful spouse and great kids. But he can speak to healing far better than I. I can speak from theory, what I've seen and what I know. But Pastor Matt will be able to speak from the experience and talk about healing in every area of your life. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'll lead worship that Sunday, and I'm really looking forward to what uh, Pastor Matt's got to say that day. I'm glad that God has brought him on staff with us. And that's going to be a wonderful Sunday. So here's what we're going to do. Then we'll move into the kids, and that'll be a lot of fun. So anyway, let's get on to it, because we've only got about 10 minutes, so stick with me. Ready? Are you ready for this one? God hates divorce. There are very few things in the world that God hates. He hates it. The past is the past. Can you say that with me one more time? The past is the past. Okay, that doesn't change what I just said to you. I just, every now and then, we'll go back to that one. Because <laughs> you'll need it. Because as soon as I said that, some of you went, oh. The past is the past. But what I just told you is true. He hates it. Which means that our Father must really hate what's going on in the world today. This doing some statistics, you know. And this one said 50% of all children will live through the divorce of their parents. 50%. Wow. I was so fortunate. You know, my parents, they're both gone now, but uh, they never experienced divorce. They they didn't have the best marriage, but didn't have divorce. Linda's parents are still married. Uh, Most of my brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles for the most part. A couple, but... My family hasn't been a family touched by divorce. And yet, some of you sit there, and it's all around you. You live through it as children. You've lived through it as adults. You know the pain. Today, marriage is disposable. It is. It's so disposable that that you don't even have to have a reason. What do we call it now if you want to get married? Irreconcilable differences. What is that another word for? Yeah, I don't I want to leave. I don't like it. Irreconcilable differences. I just don't want it anymore. I get the privilege of doing weddings. It's always fun, you know. You get this couple up here and they make these wonderful promises to each other and I think every couple I've ever done meant those promises. Oh, I will love you and I want to be with you for the rest of my life until we're dead. And then somewhere down the line, they go, you know, this isn't working for me. I think I want out. Marriage is disposable, which means that your spouse is disposable as well. See, when God says he hates divorce, at the very end of the Old Testament, there's a book called Malachi, spelled Malachi. So you should be able to find it. Malachi. Go to Matthew, go back one book, you find Malachi, but it's Malachi. And in there, God is trying to explain to his people, because his people aren't quite understanding why they're not getting the blessing from God any longer. And God is trying to explain to them, and he gives them several reasons why they don't 
get his blessing any longer. Some of it had to do with giving and tithing. One of it had to do with marriage. Let me read it for you right here. Another thing you do, you flood the altar with tears. You weep and you wail because he no longer pays attention to your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. You ask, why? It's because the Lord is acting as a witness between you and the wife of your youth. Because you've broken faith with her. Though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant, has not the Lord made them one? In flesh and spirit, they are, they are his And why one? Because he was seeking godly offspring. So guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith with the wife of your youth. Here it is. I hate divorce, says the Lord God of Israel. And I hate a man's covering himself with violence as well as with his garment, says the Lord Almighty. So guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith. He looked at this divorce because back then only a man could get divorced. Now it's a... 50-50 thing back then. Only a man could get divorced. And when he disposed of his marriage, he disposed of his wife and it's like beating her. And God said, I hate it. When, When you cover yourself with this kind of violence, the way you would put on a garment, I don't even want to listen to you anymore. Now, we have to remember this. There are two biblical exceptions to divorce. Okay? We understand that. There are two. And those two happen to be what? The first one is adultery. Because sex, and here's another thing we've done with, with sex. With, with marriage, we've just kind of made it a disposable thing. With sex, we've just kind of made it a pleasurable thing. And if it feels good, you do it. When in fact, sex is supposed to be that seal with a husband and wife. That you share only with a husband and wife. And when, when you share that with someone else, it breaks that bond. It's a tearing apart. This is what Jesus said. Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. Because Moses did say, if you want out, all you got to do is write this little certificate of divorce. Jesus came along and said, no. No, it was never supposed to be that way. But it was not this way from the beginning. And Jesus was there at the beginning. I will tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness and marries another woman commits adultery. Bingo. Adultery does break that bond. But there's another issue also found a little bit later on in the New Testament, and that one is called abandonment. It's possible to abandon or be abandoned and still then be set free. Let me show this to you. This is from uh, Corinthians. To the rest I say this, not I, but I, I appreciate this. Some directions Paul got straight from the Lord. Others he didn't. But he's going to tell us the difference, and I appreciate the fact that he's a man of God, so I'm going to listen to him. To the rest I see this, I'm not the Lord. If any brother has a wife who is not a believer and she's willing to live with him, he must not divorce her. Okay, you can't, you know, don't, don't give me this where two people who don't know Jesus Christ get married and then one of them knows Jesus Christ and they say, oh, I'm going to divorce because they're not a believer. No. Nope. If their spouse wants to live with you, then let them. And if a woman has a husband who is not a believer and he's willing to live with her, she must not divorce him. But, let's see the next one. But if the unbeliever leaves... Let him do so. A believing man or woman is not bound in such circumstances. God has called us to live in peace. In other words, two people get married. They're not believers. One of them becomes a believer, devotes their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Their spouse says, you know, I don't like where this is going. I don't want you to go to church anymore. I don't want you to to, to be a Christ follower. And the Christ follower knows that Jesus Christ died for them. And the Christ follower says, I'm sorry, but I've given my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's my Lord. And the unbelieving spouse says, then I'm out of here. 
And the believing spouse says, I don't want you to go. And the, believing, the unbelieving spouse says, if, if, if you don't walk away from the Lord, I'm, I'm leaving. And the believing spouse says, I don't want you to go, but if you go, you go. That's hard. But it happens. Those are the only two cases. Beyond that, God says, nope. Nope, you're married. There it is. So here's what I want you to do. Let's bring the lights up here. Give me the uh, fluorescence behind you there. Hit them on the uh, Yeah, there you go. Because you need a little light. Because you're going to answer this question for me right here. Marriage is. You have space in your sermon notes to write that down. We're going to give you about one minute to think, what is marriage? Then I'm going to show you my answer. Ready? Because this is going to make all the difference in the world. Ready? Marriage is. Anybody out there that can do the Jeopardy theme song for me pretty quickly? Do, 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 do. Now, there you go. Okay. You got one minute. Marriage is. Write that down. Let me see what you say. And then we will talk about it. I'll tell you all about my trip to uh, Florida while you're uh, there. It was hot, sunny, warm. My kids were there. It was great. But it's good to be home, too, as a matter of fact. We enjoyed it very, very much. How are you doing on your definition? What is marriage? Write it down. What is marriage? Your kid comes up to you and says, okay, you've been married for, okay, what is marriage? Your child comes up to you and says, you know, I've noticed that, that you're on your second or third marriage. Can you tell me, do you even know what marriage is? I'm thinking about getting married. What is it? What is marriage? Okay, so you got it written down? You all set? You ready to see this answer? Okay, just a couple seconds. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll wait. No problem for me. I like my own company. I can think in my head while you're waiting. It's no big deal. What we're going to share with you, by the way, makes all the difference. And it's the aspect of marriage that we don't talk about enough. If you can buy into what you're about to see, you're going to understand why God hates it so much. And why we need to work so hard at staying married. Ready? Here we go. Marriage is the mystical covenant where our Father unites two people, a man and woman, into one. Let's unpack that just for a second. Mystical, meaning I don't understand it. Meaning I know what happens, but I don't know how it happens. But it's real and it does happen. This is not pretend. This is not, well, they're one because they're legally one. No, 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 no. I don't have lots of privileges and authority. I really don't. I know that you think as a pastor I have all this authority. I really don't. The church grants me some authority. I have very little, actually, but there is one thing that I get, and it's so special to me. It's why I love doing weddings. I actually get to be there and make a proclamation and be there at that very miracle, that mystical moment when God takes two separate individuals and goes... And it isn't pretend, people. It's real. And the two become one. 
This is not marriage. This is easy. That is marriage. How painful to rip two souls apart. You know why marriage is in trouble today? And it's not gay marriage, guys. The gay agenda is not destroying marriage. Just knock it off, will you? Marriage is in trouble because of the way we view marriage. Somewhere along the line we changed and we said marriage is about personal fulfillment. Marriage is about you being happy. Marriage is about you being fulfilled. When I do marital counseling, why do you want to get married? Let me tell you the, the, the things that, that scare me. If I hear someone says, well, uh, because this person just fulfills me. Oh, Lord, have mercy. So it's all about you, isn't it? What, what happens when they stop fulfilling you? Well, then you dump them, right? Well, sure, because you're no longer fulfilled. As long as they fulfill you, man, that's great. But when they stop, they're gone. Here's one. I just need him so much. <laughs> Yuck. Has, has a sicker thing ever been said? Ladies, if you're not married, some guy tries to woo you and says, oh, I just need you. Run, 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 run. Because what he just said was, you are my drug of choice. I just need something, and, and I I've, could be alcohol, could be, but it, now it's you, at least for now. And I just need you. Yuck. We destroyed marriage when we bought into the idea that marriage is about making you happy and your own personal fulfillment. And we killed it. Because what if you being fulfilled means getting hitched to somebody of the same sex? Well, it's about being fulfilled, isn't it? What if being fulfilled means getting married to two other or three other people? Polygamy. Well, it's just, it's just about getting, being fulfilled. It's no big deal. Whatever fulfills you, then that's what you do. Marriage is not about your personal fulfillment. Marriage is about becoming one. It's an incredible, mystical, spiritual event. When two people, I tell you the, the best answer you can give me, so I'll give you the answer ahead of time. When we do premarital counseling, why do you want to get married? Because I, I do this. I'll sit couples down, and say, particularly if they've never been married before, and say, all the time you were a teenager in your house, you couldn't wait to get out to be on your own. And now you want to tie yourself to another human being more closely than you've ever been tied in your life. Why do you want to do that? You just got free. And if you think parents are something, wait till you have a spouse. <laughs> Why do you want to do that? You could live, go where you want to do, spend the money you want. You, you won't even be able to go to the bathroom without telling them once you're married. Why do you want to do that? You want the best answer? I don't know. I, I don't know. All I know is, over the years I've known this person, as if we've talked and grown, God is doing something in my life with them. 
And I can live without them. I don't want to. My father is, is bringing us together in a way that I've never felt before. and I've never understood before. And I could live without them. I don't want to. God is calling us to be one, and I'll say, let's do the wedding right now, man. We're ready. You got it. That's marriage. Now, when I got married, could I have given you that answer? No, 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 no. Linda and I got married for very uh, different reasons. Um, very uh, physical reasons, as a matter of fact. We were uh, going together from the time we were 16. Uh, we were 19 and a half when we got married, and that was it. That was the end of it. We weren't going any farther. I mean, it was walk away or get married, because I couldn't be next to her any longer without... But it just wasn't going to happen, okay? <laughs> so, just tell you the truth. But you know what? After we got married, because we were so young, after we got married and we... God did something, that mystical thing when we got married, and then it was over the course of time that we understood that mystical thing. And could I live without Linda? Of course, she could live without me as well. Because our allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't want to. I mean, God has done this in our lives. She's not separate from me. I'm not separate from her anymore. The divorce would just rip us apart. Now, is it always easy to be married to me? Shake your little head just like this, okay? Linda's in the very back row. Okay, Linda will stand up and go, oh, absolutely not. That's okay. It's all right. As a matter of fact, if you can talk to her, she goes, oh, fine. But that's not the point. The point is that. Is that your marriage? If it's not, you better make it that, because it really is. If you made that promise before God, it is this. You have no choice in that. You asked God to make you one, and he did. There are very few promises you can really count on to say it's going to happen right now. You can say, Father, give me a miracle, God. Touch me, heal me. It may not happen right then. When you say, God, make us one, bam! You are. Now your choice. Live it. Rip it apart. Marriage is not about personal fulfillment. Marriage is the mystical covenant. Where our Father unites two people, a man and woman, that's his choice, and we'll explain that why next week, into one. This is what Jesus said, and we're done. Haven't you read, he replied, that, the be that in the beginning the Creator made them male and female, and he said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his, his wife, and the two will become one flesh, so they are no longer two but one. Therefore, read this with me, what God has joined together, let man not separate. One more time. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. Bam! God does it.
How would our marriages change if we stopped seeing marriage as a way to just be personally fulfilled and understood? It's not this. It's that. Father, it's instead of setting the example for the for the world father instead of defining it we've let the world define it for us and we're going to stop that now now the past is the past father thank you for the forgiveness wherever marriages are in this point right now whether they're good or they're bad or they're or they're moving forward father as people are going to get married or they're just living through a divorce father that that's not the issue right now what it is father is we want to live The unity that you gave us, the unity that you caused, not a pretend oneness, but a real oneness that you have brought into our lives. We want to live that, Father. We want to do it well. We want to do it in wisdom. We want to do it in such a way that people outside of the church, people who are not Christ followers, look at what we do and say, I want some of that. Father, they won't be perfect marriages. We know that. But they can be better. And so in the name of Jesus Christ, as we continue with this series, we thank you for the fresh opportunities. We thank you that you and that mystical union have made two into one. Oh, Father, we've got so much to learn, but it'll be a great and exciting adventure. And we thank you, Lord. Amen. Next week when we come back, why is it so difficult? Well, it is, and there's reasons for that. We'll talk about it. But right now what we want to do is move into our Selah time, a time where we just think about what God has shared. And there are a couple of things I want to share with you as we go into Salem. We'll have just a moment, and you can think the communion elements will be here if you want to come forward to receive them. Norm Davis, who is a great man of prayer, is quite often right over here praying for you. Norm Davis is right now in the hospital and not doing well. He's actually been hospitalized since December 15th. And we even got word this morning that uh, he's had a couple of setbacks. When we're done here... I will be moving over to the hospital to meet with Norm. We want to have special prayer for And where is Dave and Jody Poole? Dave and Jody Poole around here? They're already at the hospital. Okay, I was going to have that. I'm going to need someone else. Who else in the, is in their small group? Um, Dave and Jody and uh, Norm. Anybody else in their small group here? Then I'm going to have George Copeland. If you will come and stand right over here. You're going to be a surrogate right over here for, Dave, for um, Norm Davis. And I want people to surround him and be praying not for George but for Norm Davis. And I've also just also heard that uh, um, Christina's cousin, wasn't it, has just discovered that he's got multiple cancers and they're not, not really sure what's going to happen. So we want to have a special prayer for him. But now, as we get ready just to give the Lord some time, you can come forward and kneel at the altars. You can receive the elements. Will those people who are going to be helping me serve communion, would you step forward, please?